Welcome back to Walking Our Path Together, a series of audio stories exploring Yukon College's reconciliation journey. This is episode 10, The Future. In this episode, we ask Yukoners what they would like to see in the future of education. My name is Shirley Adamson. I'm a Yukon resident, always have been, and probably always will be. Well, I hope to see, you know, I hope to see racism become less of a way of life, not just between non-Aboriginals and, uh, and ourselves, but all the people that, um, that are driven by, by fear and hate. Uh, you know, I, I think that understanding is, is a big way to helping us live in harmony with each other and, um, and with less fear. And educational institutions are a way of doing that, is to bring us together and to help us understand the cultures and the value of the cultures and the value of the teachings of those cultures, not only to to those people of that, um, you know, of that race, but to others that are influenced by those people. Uh, my name is Peter Johnson. I'm a member of the Teslin Clink Council. Uh, my Klingit name is Shtadutin. I'm 45 years old, have four children, Grand Chief of the Council of Yukon First Nations. Well, we are uh, going to be the example, I think, in, the, in, in Canada, let alone globally, of, of how true government to government, and maybe another level of government, including the federal, but from the territorial Yukon First Nation perspective, we are changing the way we deal with matters, especially, like I said, when it comes to our, our well-being. And that is when you come together in a room and start working on a plan to, to make significant changes, it's not always easy because you've got many different, not only different attitudes and different perspectives and different ways of doing things. Um, it's important for us to see that there's going to be fundamental things that we can do to shift uh, which very similar to a domino effect here. So I, I would think that going forward, we are going to be able to showcase how First Nation governments, let alone First Nation people and nations, can now start to build nationhood, right? And it's very important. Like I said, it's not only one aspect, it's everything for us. And, you know, our, our citizens have that expectation that the government that represents them is there to provide not only that sense of security and, um, you know, an ability for them to generate wealth, but also to have that ability to help support their citizens in whatever fashion that they may need. And a lot of it, unfortunately, right now, we're still repairing damages that government has done to us. And it's about not burdening our next generation with that same impact. Even though the trauma and the impact are very much felt in the community, it's important that we do not burden our next generation with that same extended, if you will, traumatization of what government's doing to us. And, and they currently are doing that to a lot of still places in Canada that still don't have fresh drinking water, for instance, right? Or infrastructure that we take for granted here. You know, when there's 
over a billion dollars coming into a small little jurisdiction. Uh, a lot of jobs and economies are created because of First Nation governments here in the territory, let alone the extended families such as building these enterprises such as Air North, you know, like 500 employees. Do the people in Vancouver really appreciate what little community of Vanta Cochin and Old Crow has done for them? I really hope so, you know, and and those are the things that we really need to promote is that what we're doing here in the territory is having that extended uh, impact outside. I really um, believe that what we're doing here right now presently is going to have a a long-lasting effect, not only on us and the territory, but we'll be able to showcase what it could look like in other jurisdictions. So. My name's Jackie McLaren, and um, I've been in the Yukon since 1986, primarily working in the field of mental health counseling and community development. And um, I was also involved, I was the lead counselor for the three territories for the Truth and Reconciliation Commission hearings and traveled throughout the three territories. That's where the emotion comes from, because I've, I've seen some really bad stuff, and I've heard some really bad stuff that should never have happened to children in Canada. In any, any place, we weren't at war. It was government policy that hurt these little kids. And so many people have died. But the younger generation, now I see some of the younger ones who are seeing the value in education. And some of them didn't get a lot of support from their family if they wanted to go to school. It was, oh, you sure? You know, you sure you don't want to stay home? And so it's, it's hard for them, I think, to break away from that. But they're seeing the value of living in both worlds. And taking the best from both as opposed to avoiding one in order to access the other. And I think that the college um, can provide that opportunity because a lot of people don't want to go south to university. They want to be able to get their academics here and, and not have to be so far away from home. And if the programs can really address the needs of um, the individuals in the, in the communities, then I think we're going to have much more success. And there isn't going to be an issue about capacity building in 10 years because the capacity is going to be there. My name is Ravi Dekuya. Yeah, my name is Ravi Dick from Ross River. What I want to see in the future, um, I want to see more people speaking their language. I want to see that um, that movement among the young people. I want to see them be able to you know, speak the language of our ancestors. You know, there's gonna come a time when we're gonna you know teach our kids. They're gonna teach our grandkids. You know? So it's up to us to either take that torch or you know take up that responsibility. But I I would like to see more people speaking the language. Uh, I would like to see more programs through um, you know, education. Like I want to see like, you know, for each community have their own curriculum within the school. Like I want to see immersion settings. I want to see like, I want to see the um, revival of who we are as people. So that's uh, one thing I want to see because, you know, like I said, you know, that's where we find our strengths within, you know, it's, that's uh, it keeps us healthy as individuals. And 
like right now there's like a lot of people stressed out you know it's a lot of people living in and uh you know communities they're not going out on the land as much but if i don't know like this is just my opinion like if you knew the language if you spoke it it might just like get you out on the land maybe i don't know like that's the way i see it i guess because you have that like relationship with the land so yeah i think it would create healthy individuals if we knew our culture you know who we are as people Angela Kodhusie, Saisi Dana Hesley, Tasu Uli Twe Hotsi, Whitehorse Yukon Nasled, Siniasi. My name is Angela Code, and I am Saisi Dana First Nation. I am originally from a small community called Tuduli Lake, Manitoba, and I live here in Whitehorse Yukon. I think that uh, it would be really amazing if there's more inclusion of Indigenous elders within academic institutions um, at all grade levels, from babies to university. I think that there needs to be more language and culture within our, within our schools. So for me, uh, ideally looking into what an ideal education would look like in, in the Yukon, it would be more inclusion of Indigenous language and culture within our, within our schools. I think that um, there needs to be much more inclusion of, of our knowledge holders, and that means like our our elders and like they need to be paid well they need to you know be shown that they have such immense value in our in our society in our communities and that they don't need a western academic piece of paper to say like you're knowledgeable um and you're important we need to just embrace them for for the the knowledge that they've gained over their lives, you know, like that's, that's awesome. Like what they know and yeah, they need to be paid well and they need to be shown that they're of value. Robin Bradish. I am a citizen of Hawani First Nation, and I've worked in the area of land claim and uh, self-government negotiations and implementation for the past 25 years. Well, I think I would like to see all parties look at these agreements as a foundation, as a place to jump from, not the never the ceiling, and that we should always sort of be pursuing opportunities to collaborate, cooperate, um, and create space for First Nations participation in, in all levels of decision-making. Um, and eventually, someday, I would like it that it's just, that's just the norm. You don't need implementers. It's not about checking boxes in an agreement. And it's just common sense prevailing and people working together. I think that's what I would like to see in the future. My name is Leanne Geddes, and I'm from the Wolf Clan. I'm half Taltan, half Clinkett, and I belong to the Ta'an Quichin Council. 
I took the healthcare assistant program this year at the college. Uh, well, I really believe that um, we need the academic books in situations like that. However, I believe that there's um, a lot more visuals that we could watch instead of saying, go home and read chapters three and four and then come back tomorrow and discuss it with us. Um, that if we had uh, some more visuals of um, people that had, have made it through their struggles, there's a lot of, um, we know that there's a lot of um, sad situations in the world. However, if we could focus on some of the positive role models that have come through, I think that that would be a huge asset for us because I know we, we need the academics. However, it's not quite balanced yet. I really feel that some of my classmates um, haven't had the experience that I grew up with, and I do take that for granted sometimes that I can um, light a fire and um, make some bannock. And um, I really feel that um, when we're on the land, our spirits are a little more freer and we're allowed to speak from our heart instead of our head. And um, that's one of the teachings from the elders is that we need to be headstrong and that's where our academics come in. But we also need to be heartstrong, and when I say that, that comes from the campfire and learning how to make bannock and have an RT, I think are very, very important. Dunje Danathiada Kasnukuye Shadale Shayi Yekodan ING Gitlamet Nije ING Takini Uninje Hluchacha Nuhelkam Geuye. My name is Steve Smith, I'm Chief of the Champagne First Nation. Well, I'd like to see, you know, personally, I, I look at some of the programming that happens. I like to, to I like to see a little bit more um, control, especially if it's with regard to sort of First Nations, right? You can't put the First Nation moniker and then have one or two individuals, um, you know, be the defenders of that, right? I remember working at Yukon College and having and having all the people go, well, Steve. What do the Indians want, right? I'm like, well, what are you asking me for? You have to ask the First Nations because I come from Champanajac. I know a little bit about Ta'an because that's where my mother's people are from. But I don't know where what the goals and aspirations of the Vantikwajin are or the Trondikwajin. Um, you're gonna have to go and ask them. And so that spawned, I think, one of the first, you know, enlightened, I would say. Uh, the, the, the first kind of real move in terms of like understanding where First Nations are at. And I basically told Yukon College, I said, you know, you're bragging about 52% of the college, or at that time it was like 52% Aboriginal people attending Yukon College. And I said, well, you know, you got to know that First Nation governments have the right to draw down any program, that, and that includes advanced education in Yukon College. 
they're like, well, no, 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 no. It's just the programs that I'm like, no, you need to understand. And I, and when I was at UConn college, I, I always, I remarked about the aha moment of going because what happened was everybody was talking about a land claim. Oh, and it was like a defined point in 1995, then everything is going to go back to normal, right? Everything's going back to normal. And, and then I think 10 years later, I, I, described an aha moment with the rest of the population went, oh, you mean these Indians, and I hate to speak so bluntly, but you mean the Indians aren't going back to the reserve that they actually want to say in what we're doing, and we actually agreed to letting them have a say? So um, I think it's important that, you know, that understanding of um, really understanding where First Nations want to go and, and having a, a, a keen ability to be as dynamic as possible, like supporting when, when you know, having a real discussions about the programs that need, that First Nations need, right? And, and that's where the college, I think, can be successful. What is the true idea of education for a, for a First Nation person? How was the education system structured for a First Nation person? To sit there and go, okay, well, yeah, you can do all of these programs. You can do all of these things. Like you can, we can have First Nations 101. We can have First Nations management. We can have First Nations account, like accountability class, power and control. Um, but it all has to fit within a, a Western European kind of context of education. Well, then you're just sort of, again, it's, is that tokenism or is that true reconciliation? Or is it a, a, a real look and going, hmm, how do we offer this class? How do we actually, how can we actually take this class and actually move it into a general sort of studies class? Right, um, you know, and 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 have it based on that a, a First Nation kind of worldview. Um, that's I think where you know that when we start to actually talk about that, that's when you're going to find you know real real um, real movement. I think in terms of like the success of our our kids. My name's Jody Beaumont, and I work in the Heritage Department for Toronto Kitchen. I think Yukon needs to continue shifting away from an institutionalized sort of educational setting because it still is very institutional. And I think people need to be less worried. I, it's almost like people are worried that people won't get skills if it's not super structured and formal and all these different things. And I'm someone who likes structure, like I like boundaries in my life. But it, it would be really nice to see an educational environment where we trusted individuals. I think that from the earliest ages, if people learned that there were many, like thousands of different ways of seeing the world and appreciating the world and doing things, like basically anthropology from preschool on up, uh, which does happen in some places, I think your ability to move through the world, especially one like this, where there's all these different ways of doing it, it's not something that we necessarily teach people to do. And we just assume that it's not a teachable thing, I guess. Because the whole point of education in, in this, there's a great quote from Percy about this. The whole point of, as he put it, traditional education is to raise someone up to be a good person. And the Western education system 
as he says, you know, it has a lot of gifts, but it really misses the ball when it comes to raising someone who's a good person. It's like, who cares about your technical abilities or your skill set or your capacity if you don't know how to be with other people? And that, I think, is a real important point. Good morning, this is Annie Bernard uh, talking and I'm from the Tetlit Gujin Nation. So it's good to see people who are willing to move the university, college to university, with positive attitudes. Speak that it's going to happen. Speak that the dropouts are all going to come back to the university. Give them a chance. I always think about C.S. Lewis. He says, in one of his books, he says, the words you speak today will determine your tomorrow. Yukon College, you're going to bloom. We are humbled and grateful to the knowledgeable Yukoners who took their time to be a part of this project and to help tell this story. This audio story was produced by Leanne Chalikoff for Yukon College. Original music is by Jonah Barr. Find us on iTunes or online at rpath.yukoncollege.yk.ca. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.